Welcome to Radio 5G, where we sort fact from fiction, conspiracy from falsehood, reality from the unknown. And by doing so, we change the collective consciousness of humanity. A production of CosmicReality.com Welcome to Radio 5G, pre-recorded show to air on September 13th, 2023. Today we will listen to Seth Holhouse, Man in America, interviewing Aman Jabi on July 17th, 2023. It is titled, Welcome to the American Digital Prison. There are more timely discussions on this subject of a digital prison, but this presentation is an easily followed revealing of what is intended for the future of mankind and how it is being built, and what actions we need to take to take another road to the future. Mark Joseph and myself, Nancy Hopkins, will discuss these alternative realities in the second hour. So here we go with Seth Holhouse and Aman Jabi. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Man in America. A voice of reason in a world gone mad. I'm your host, Seth Holhouse. When you hear someone talk about social credit scores, as uh, many people have become familiar with, with the idea of the Great Reset and the technocracy, the country most often referenced for this is China. Because over in communist China, under their absolutely corrupt and evil communist government, people are living there with a digital prison that is completely surrounding them. And at the center of that digital prison prison is their social credit score, meaning that if they criticize the government, if they jaywalk, which they're being recognized everywhere they go via facial recognition across millions and millions of cameras around the country, or anything else they do that puts them in a negative light in the opinion of the communist government, their social credit score is docked. Now, that might mean that they can't be approved for a loan for a house, that they can't buy a plane ticket, they can't buy a train ticket. Uh, and Or it might mean that their face is displayed publicly on a digital billboard as they're shamed for their poor status in society. Now, here in America, we often feel, hey, this is the land of the free. And while we're concerned about the encroaching loss of our freedoms and uh, everything that the globalists and the, the communists in the White House are pushing, we feel like, you know, we're still pretty free. But According to my guest today, uh, a tech uh, entrepreneur, Silicon Valley veteran named Aman Jabi, uh, he says that the digital prison in America is actually even more advanced and further along than China, 
It's just that the majority of people have no idea. So this is going to be an interesting and engaging conversation. I hope you enjoy it. And thanks for tuning in uh, with Man in America. And one final note for you. Uh, I'm, I'm sad to tell you that this is actually my last episode on America out loud. Um, I can't give you the full details yet, but I was uh, offered the opportunity to to join a very large um, you know, radio platform that you're, I'm sure you're familiar with, but I can't talk about it yet. And um, I'm, I'm grateful for the time here and, and for what Malcolm has done with America Out Loud and the opportunity to, to speak to you all here. Um, but it's just sometimes that the path changes and I think that I'll be able to to reach an entirely different audience, which is important because I'd say that you, you all here in America Out Loud, you know what's going on. So we got to get this information out to more people, uh, you know, around the, across the country. So um, anyway, I, I would love, if you have any feedback for me or you want to send me some, you know, one final message, I'd love to hear from you. You can just send an email to hello at maninamerica.com. That's hello at maninamerica.com. And I'd love to, to hear from you and, and know just what you thought, what you thought of the, of the show here on America Out Loud. And if you learned anything and maybe if you'll miss me. So it'd be good to hear from you all folks. So anyway, let's get into this interview with Amin Jabi. Amon, thank you so much for joining us today. It's an honor to have you here on the show. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. So I, I first came across you on an interview you did with Maria Z, uh, and you were going you know, really deep into the actual technology of the Great Reset. And a lot of people talk about the Great Reset. They talk about technocracy, social credit systems, but you were coming at it from a, a very deep knowledge of this technology and how it would work. And so there's obviously a lot that's happened since then that we can be digging into, but why don't you first just give us a brief background of you and your history with, especially within technology in Silicon Valley. Happy to do that. Uh, So I spent 25 plus years in Silicon Valley and I was deeply involved with a lot of the key technologies um, that were being developed there from the early nineties. My Specialty is in computer vision, computer graphics, imaging, video, and cameras primarily. So my entire professional career was uh, doing uh, things in visual computing. I also founded two camera startup companies uh, that gave me a much better insight into how the money flows from venture capital into entrepreneurship and startup companies and started to get a much better understanding of you know how things actually functioned uh, behind the scenes. Uh, one of my startup companies also had investment from InQtel, a venture capital arm of the CIA, and so I was quite deeply involved in a lot of interesting technologies at the time, uh, from drones to you know flying cameras, uh, mobile computing, and mobile array cameras, and uh, so I got to see a lot. As the years went by, as I got more mature, I used to ask a lot of questions within myself uh, about why things are happening the way they are. And uh, over the last several years, you know, things have started to come together and I started to connect the dots as to how tech and Silicon Valley are being used to build our own digital prison, uh, amongst other 
uh, you know, markets and sectors, just like, you know, Wall Street and fintech and the pharma and medical systems. But I think the technology industry is at the heart of it because in order to enslave us in the direction we are going, it's going to be a digital prison and technology is at the, is the key, oh, I'd say the key pillar that is needed to actually make it happen. Because if the technology fails, everything fails. And so, so that's how I came to you know, my understanding of how things are working. And I actually left Silicon Valley three years ago. I moved to Northwest Montana. I noticed people here were more aware, uh, but still they did not have a deep understanding of how it's also going to be implemented in Montana and every other state in America. And uh, so I started to make presentations and have discussions locally here. I realized that until I do something different, uh, I won't be able to get my message across. And that's why I started to work on a presentation which was visual and simple and connected the dots. And then I, my message started to then, you know, uh, be heard locally. And then with the Maria Z interview, I think I got a lot of uh, interest from people around the world. So here I am now. And so this digital prison, and, and you know how I understand it is that you know, throughout history, there's always been individuals that get a lot of power, and you know it's where do you stop? And, it, and there's always this aspiration of world control. And with a world of this, you know, many many billions of people, you wouldn't be able to control this whole world in the same way that say that you know the, the Soviet Union was under control, where you have troops and guns and prisons, and that's the way of control, that the only way that they could possibly bring this whole world under a central control is through the use of technology. And so when you talk about the, the, the foundation of this digital prison and how technology is really at the forefront of that, what are the, the different pillars of how they control us? Because right now, for instance, for me, I'm living in Ohio and you know, I use technology all the time. I have an iPhone, I have a, a Apple TV, I have MacBook, I have a, you know, a, a new car that has whatever technology the new car has. And I may not feel like I'm in some sort of prison, but I think that's part of the idea, right? That, that we may, we don't really even know how far they've led us into this prison. And so what does that prison look like? The way to think about it is, uh, uh, there's a couple of layers. Uh, it's a fairly complex thing, but I'm going to try and simplify it with a couple of layers. At the heart of implementing this prison is your identity. And your identity comes from your unique uh, facial features. And that is how I kind of started my thought process of presenting last year through facial recognition. And the, your face and your biometrics in general are going to be mapping to a unique identity, which is your digital identity, which is what the World Economic Forum and the United Nations want to implement for every soul in the world. Of course, it's on the pretext of inclusivity and equality, etc. But really, once you have a digital ID and your, your activities in the world are linked to your digital ID, that can be controlled by virtue of a digital currency. So there is an attempt being done and it's already started in, you know, so-called central banks around the world and the Bank of International Settlements. They call it a central banking digital currency. It's not legitimate, just like the US dollar is not legitimate. 
But by talking about it as a central bank, when most people don't know that central banks are all illegal and illegitimate and fraudulent, they believe that the digital currency will be legitimate. And that digital currency will have multiple components to it, and they'll map again directly to your digital ID. So it'll have social credit scores. So people keep saying, look, China has social credit scores. It's coming to America now. It's already here. It's just that we haven't been given an app telling us our social credit scores. So we are being scored right now in real time for the last few years. There's also carbon tracking going on, right? Whatever we consume through our credit cards, through our airline tickets, through shopping, whatever, it's all being tracked. And there's a carbon score being put against you. And with that carbon footprint, it'll be also mapped to your central banking digital currency and potentially your medical status and your jab status, et cetera. So your digital currency linked to your digital ID is a currency of control and a currency of compliance because all these digital currencies will have something called smart contracts, which means it's all about conditional access. So if you have consumed more than so much carbon footprint for the month, you won't be able to access mobility or you won't be able to call an Uber. You won't be able to buy gas. So this digital prison is really about conditional access. Everything is restricted until you can prove otherwise through the currency you have, which is mapped to your digital ID. And everywhere you need access, there will be 3D cameras looking at your face. So doors won't open, your car won't start. You know, you may not be able to get out of your apartment by virtue of a smart lock with a camera. So think of it as you're not inside a cell, but everything is a cell that you need to, is inside a cell that you need to access. And so it's, a, it's going to become a society of restrictions and permissions that you always need to, you know, have or do to access anything in life, including communicating with your loved ones or accessing the internet. So that's the digital prison that I talk about. And so when they talk about digitalization, which is a word being thrown about in the last three years, you know, from the UN and the sustainable development goal, uh, think tanks and consulting companies, digitalization is not really about digitizing the world in the real world sense. It's about conditional access. It's about a zero trust world by, by default. No citizen is to be trusted. So everything is zero trust. And so you have to prove your innocence by virtue of your digital currency to gain access to anything. And if I can go a layer deeper, if you want, or we can continue in another direction. No, please do. You want do. Me to go yeah, a layer yeah. deeper? Okay, so if one goes and studies the digital transformation. There's a digital transformation in play right now. Okay, It's a phrase, and everyone thinks it's about moving from low-tech to high-tech. It's not really about that. There are five pillars to the digital transformation. And so people should think through this on how data flows from the real world of you know, light and images and photons to the digital prison, right? So it's, it's almost like I was thinking the other day, they have found a way to monetize every photon of light. And it's coming through the IoT and sensors. So the IoT is the internet of things. So the first pillar of the transformation is the internet of things. That means all the sensors, 
cameras and radars and microphones and every object with a digital ID that can send data through the network via the IoT. So that's the first pillar of the transformation. Where does the data go? It goes into the cloud, which is basically a bunch of servers and computers that you cannot see. Who are the people who run most of the clouds in the world? Who own the clouds is you know, Amazon Web Services, Google Cloud, Apple iCloud, Dropbox, Microsoft Azure systems. So you can tell who owns the cloud. Cloud is the second pillar of the transformation. What happens in the cloud? Whenever the data goes in the name of security and safety for your data and for everybody else's data on the cloud, they scan that data. And the data is scanned via artificial intelligence software algorithms running in the cloud. And the AI algorithms can do whatever it wants with the data, as long as it's not so-called leaked to other people right, or the other companies. So AI is the third pillar of the transformation. What happens to the data after AI scans it and makes meaning of it? It takes all the sensible stuff from the AI process data and puts it onto a blockchain. And the blockchain is a digital ledger in the cloud, which is the fourth pillar of the digital transformation. So you see how it's going? We've, we've gone from IoT to cloud, to AI algorithms, to blockchain. What happens to that data on the blockchain? It is the data on the blockchain will be mapped to the digital ID of you, me, of every object in the world. So it's kind of an almost like an infinitely increasing data center. It's immutable. No human being can look at it. The stakeholders can modify it. They say it's decentralized, but actually there's a lot of inversion in language, even in the blockchain world, just like there is in the sustainable development goals. And then once that data is stored, when you want to access something in the real world, the cybersecurity prison guards that implement the zero trust algorithm is the fifth pillar of the transformation. So IoT, cloud, AI, blockchain, and cybersecurity. So that kind of gives a mapping of what the digital transformation is going to be in this particular world of zero trust. And so basically how I understand that transformation is that it's almost a cycle of going from the physical, my actions here in this world, which are then being, uh, that data of my actions is being taken through the internet of things, cycled up into the cloud, analyzed blockchain, and then it comes back into the physical again with a that's rule saying... Excellent. That's a very good, that's okay. a very good and a way to kind of summarize it. And um, so... Now there's... Yeah, go ahead. No. Go well, ahead. I was just saying, so like, I'm basically imagining like that's constantly happening where there's, it's, it's this feedback loop and, you know, I'm doing something, maybe I'm having a conversation with you and there's an iPhone sitting on my desk next to me. It's recording our conversation. It's uploading that data to a cloud. That cloud is being analyzed, that data, you know, that it's being, you know, interpreted. The AI is saying, okay, this is the conversation. This is the meaning of the word. This is the emotional meaning. It's being interpreted, put in the blockchain. And basically then our conversation might lead me to then I want to go say tomorrow, I'm going to go buy a house and I go to the loan officer and they play, they, I do a, a face scan and that accesses my, the digital kind of ID of me. And it says, Oh, this person, because of they, they may not tell me why, but 
because of our conversation and our, we have key words in here. Say we're talking about Orwellian government or anarchy or whatever it is, they might then, that feedback loop comes back into that decision where I can no longer access funding to buy a home because of what happened once my data was run through that system. Precisely, precisely. And those variables which reduce your so-called currency of compliance or your social credits within the digital currency, those can be modified to manipulate society and manipulate structures in society. You see, it's, it's, it's a kind of what they call a cybernetic loop. And in fact, there's a recent book somebody uh, shared with me on, on Facebook uh, called Human Computation. So you can actually shape uh, societies and structures within society through this feedback loop by just observing data. And that's why data, they say, is the new oil because mm-hmm. it has so much information and that information is being monetized, right? It's being monitored, managed, monetized, analyzed all the time. So it's, it's a new way of uh, how society is going to function in the initial phase of the digital transformation and the great reset. Then there's a deeper layer even beyond that, which is if people have studied what the fourth industrial revolution is, right? Uh, The fourth industrial revolution is now going to be taking this so-called digital transformation society and move it into a digitized world. So there is a concept of digitalization, which we just spoke about. And there's another concept called digitization, which has been around for decades. And that's taking an analog signal, digitizing it for, you know, the digital world. And then you can take uh, the entire mapping of the earth, of cities, of yourself, and build digital twins of everything, of every structure in the world. And then the goal is to put on virtual reality or augmented reality headsets and start living a different life within that digitized world. So there are layers and layers of complexity and I would say deception that the world is being nudged into and in some cases forced into by virtue of uh, modification of structures within society. And so... You mentioned that there's this discussion of the social credit score in China, which is something I've talked about quite a bit. And you said that Mm -hmm. that already exists here in America. So right now, you know, as let's just say I'm I'm a typical American looking around, I I might know that Facebook has data on me, Google has data on me, but I look at it in, in silos. I'm looking at it as, okay, this one company I've interacted with digitally, they've collected information on me that they use to sell to advertisers, et cetera or maybe to program the algorithm mm-hmm. of Twitter so I keep scrolling and you know, you know don't leave the app. But what you're saying, though, is mm-hmm. that there's something, it seems to be much, much deeper and more comprehensive so that, I mean, is there, so my digital profile, are you saying that somewhere it exists and I've got a social credit score already, I'm already in some sort of category, I'd probably be in some sort of category of an extremist that questions the government, right, just by virtue of what I do and the mm-hmm. fact that I'm doing my speaking on a digital device. So is that already in existence? And what's that look like? And who has access to that? So I, personally, I don't think there is a one single central repository yet. However, the way it will work is in real time. It's so for instance, I'm associating with you. And since you 
you've been considered a terrorist, domestic terrorist, because you ask questions of the government, my social score is going down. And my social score was already low and you associated with me, so yours will go down further. So this is something that's happening in real time, right? So, and, so as I said, when you go next time, now, while it's happening in real time, this conversation, think of all the stakeholders or private corporations that are currently sucking up data during this conversation. It's the people who own, so I'm on an Apple computer, right? So chances are Apple is able to access much of this particular conversation. Zoom servers in China are able to access our conversation. If you're on a Microsoft machine, they are able to access our information. So multiple so-called stakeholders are in real time updating and recomputing your digital value and your digital currency. So now let's say if I go to Kmart, right, and I want to buy bullets or, uh, you know, I want to buy milk, does Kmart have access to my latest, uh, you know, information on my digital currency? No. But if they want to sell me something, they need to validate that I'm a good doobie. So the Walmart computer then has to pay somebody in the cloud to get my latest information in order to validate their zero trust implementation version in their stores or on their website. So that's how it's going to work. So there's a lot of transactions going on in real time in the cloud whenever you need to access something. And there's a chain of corporations making real-time money through this digital transformation. And so the more activities you do, the more data that is sucked up into the cloud through the IoT, the more money various corporations are making. It's a very clear, clever way that the new international economic order is also being transformed, right? The financial system in the world, as we know it, is in the process of transformation. And this is called the new international economic order. So at a very macro scale, if people want to see what's going on in the world, there's the new international economic order, which is the financial system. And then this is the, there's the fourth industrial revolution, which is taking us into this so-called biodigital convergence, the merging of you know, our digital cells, our biological cells, and the physical world. So it's fairly complex, but, you know, it can be broken down. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of information out there now on the web, since people have been talking about it uh, extensively lately. And so in America, obviously, we've seen the videos and pictures of China where they've got you know, millions of cameras. You know, every intersection has dozens of cameras. There's cameras everywhere. But here in America, I'm seeing, I'm seeing more cameras showing up. I'm seeing a lot of 5G towers going up everywhere. What, is, what mm-hmm. does the infrastructure look like already here in America? Is it, is it just as developed as it is in China, only it's more covert and we're not aware of it? Or is China much further ahead? Or how would you describe what, what we are here in America? So at the back end, at the, in terms of cloud and AI, we are as far ahead or even more ahead than China. It's just at the IoT level, China, I, I was in China in uh, 2019, September, in fact, for an optics conference. And I was there for a week and I noticed the number of cameras everywhere. It was, it was pretty shocking. Uh, then in 2020 in San Francisco, I started seeing a similar infrastructure go up. 
And the few times I've been to a couple of big cities since then, and then I went, was in India also, the infrastructure everywhere in big cities and dense areas is going up significantly. In the rural areas, it's coming slower, but it's going to come. It's incrementalism. They're not going to leave anybody outside the digital prison. At least they're going to try their help. You know, very best to keep everybody inside a digital prison. So people should be very aware. If you've got one camera at an intersection in your little village of you know five thousand people, the second will come, and then the fifth will come, and then before you know it, you know there'll be cameras and uh, LED lights and other you know infrastructure in place uh, to capture your data and control you. All right, folks, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Welcome back to Man in America. I'm your host, Seth Holhouse. Let's get right back into this interview with Amin Jabi. And it's really important that people push back. And in Montana, I've been trying to raise awareness now for uh, quite some time, uh, but there's no fight here, unfortunately. Uh, I've been working with a group in northern Idaho, and they seem to be far more um, uh, freedom-loving people, and they are fighting pretty hard to take down a data center and cameras or where they live. So they're having more success than anybody else I've seen around the country. There are pockets here and there in Utah and Florida, but nobody is, seems to have um, meaningful success. And part of the reason is because they are trying to, uh, they're trying to undo what's being done within society by the same illegal means as to how it was done in a sense, because people don't understand that in America, we don't have representative government. So this might be kind of taking the conversation to a different direction, but they are all linked. Because we don't have representative government at, you know, federal, state or local level. And so one cannot legislate one's way out of what is happening with the infrastructure and the digital prison. Because it's been done through our U.S. Constitution by virtue of the Supremacy Clause. And I don't know if your viewers are familiar with the Agenda 21, which was signed in 1992. It's a treaty with the United Nations. And our Supremacy Clause of the U.S. Constitution says that when treaties are signed, they become supreme law of the land and all state constitutions. And the U.S. Constitution itself is overridden by treaties. So essentially what is being done today is legal and lawful within the framework of our own constitution. Now, you mentioned the the streetlights, which is something I've noticed. Uh, you're just driving and you'll see mm-hmm. these new streetlights, but you'll see a lot of them, they have almost a black light looking color to them, almost a purple bulb. And it's it's not sure if those are exactly what you're talking about, but I know that they're bringing a lot of technology into these everyday items. So the street lamps in, 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 in particular, what can you tell us about those? So there's a lot of things about these LED streetlights. I have not personally seen any purple streetlights here in Montana or anywhere else. Uh, I have seen some videos and pictures that people have posted or sent me. Uh, I have a theory why they're doing that. And I suspect I'm right. And my theory is as follows. Uh, all the LED street or the most of the LED streetlights that you will see, they appear to be white in color. However, they are all blue LED lights, which means the blue frequency is approximately 470 or 400 
80 nanometer wavelength frequency. And what they do is they can coat it with some sort of filter to give the appearance that it's a yellow LED or a white LED. But really the frequency is still at a blue frequency, which is really bad for your eyesight. Uh, you know, LED lamps, uh, blue LED lights, they cause macular degeneration. They cause uh, retinal damage. And with all the, uh, you know, flicker frequency, it's basically an artificial light, which is really bad for your health overall. Long term, we don't even know how bad it's going to be, but it's going to en masse worldwide, America-wide, having LED lights everywhere um, is basically going to, create a population of a weak eyesight. And a population with weak eyesight cannot form a resistance long-term. So that's one thing. But going back to the theory is, I think they're putting these blue lights every now and then, and then they're coming up with an explanation through mainstream media that those were a defective, a defective batch, batch of lights went up. and so. Blue is bad. We'll replace them with white, but nobody knows that the white is actually blue. So this is how they do it. You know, it's kind of they'll throw red herrings, and they'll get a reaction problem, reaction solution, and then you know they'll solve the problem by putting blue LEDs under a white force, you know, coating. I see. I see. And so these LED lights are also a critical part of your smart city infrastructure because they are used not only to aid cameras to see well at, in dark places and at night, they are also wireless computers unto themselves. And they wirelessly communicate with each other and they, part, they form part of the entire wireless network over every city over the earth that is needed to suck up data, right? Then people should do some research on a relatively new technology called Wi-Fi. So Wi-Fi, we have Wi-Fi as wireless uh, fidelity. You know, uh, it's a wireless technology to connect devices and IoT structures along with 5G. Wi-Fi is going to be within your homes, within offices, uh, you know, external streetlights potentially could also be uh, using Wi-Fi in the future. I don't know about that yet. Uh, but Li-Fi is essentially a two-way communication channel between the light and your device. They could be communicating with your car, your automobiles and wireless, uh, you know, your autonomous driving vehicles in the future. So there's a, there's a lot of, you know, technology that is in place in the U.S. that is invisible to people. Like for most people, a streetlight is just a streetlight. But an LED light combined with a radar at an intersection can see a person with an AR-15 300 yards away. And they can do that in microseconds or milliseconds. So there are people that say, so we'll just shoot the LED lights. They, you won't be able to shoot an LED light. The LED light can have such high amplification factors some of them could be turned into lasers. Many LED lights specifications have drone charging stations on top of them. So there's a lot of insidious stuff that is happening with the smart city infrastructure. 
And so, so Americans should not be they should Americans should not be thinking that oh we are nowhere near China. Mm-hmm. In many ways we are ahead of China in this whole uh, you know totalitarian communitarian system that's being uh, uh, set up here too. It's a worldwide uh, it's a worldwide plan. It's coming from the United Nations. It's a s- sustainable development goals. People should study that and you know see the inversion in language. And so the treaties and, and you know the pandemic treaty, for instance, the different treaties that have been signed on behalf of our 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 country, you know, to these globalist organizations like the UN, the WHO, etc. That with this infrastructure being in place, that it sounds like that what they've been doing is it's almost as if someone's sleeping and you're building a cage around them as they're sleeping. And you don't want them to wake up and realize the cage is being built because if you can wait till the, the, until the cage is finished, it doesn't matter if they wake up then mm-hmm. because the cage is already in place. And so it's right. almost as if what they've been doing is, I think in a lot of ways, uh, distracting us. Everyone's been really focused on the LGBTQ, what's happening in, in DC, mm-hmm. um, what's happening in Ukraine, which I'm not, I'm not saying those are all not important issues, but to me, central bank digital currency, technocracy, you know, some of these items I think are much greater threats because these are the, the tools of our own imprisonment. And so do you think that they're just waiting for that right moment and maybe it's sometime next year or sometime in the future where the next you know, pandemic rolls out and now all of a sudden all the structures that COVID allowed them to put into place, all the treaties, all the new uh, you know, legislation, that then it becomes time to activate that and that we might see very quickly that that digital prison that's around us right now all of a sudden becomes a very real, uh, very, very strong reality for people. I, I think, no, I don't think it's going to happen like that. It's, I think there's not going to be one big switch. There's going to be a series of little switches. And I don't think the majority of the people will realize that they are in that final digital prison when it happens. Because it's happening incrementally. So I suspect less than 10, 15% of the Americans will even know that they are in a digital prison when it happens. How many people know that they live currently in a different sort of slavery system? Today, we are in a debt slavery system by virtue of the Federal Reserve Bank. And we are being transitioned into an identity slavery system. That's how I look at it. So let's say how many people in America today know that they are slaves? Because most Americans that I know, they think they live in the freest country in the world. And I don't believe we are a free country at all. Right? We are in a, we are in a slavery system. We need permission for everything. The difference between the permissions in the current slavery system is we take permission to drive our car once a year, where we go and pay our registration and we give money to the DMV. Once a year, we have to do that. And then you can drive for the year. In the new system, through your digital ID, it'll be real-time permission to drive your car. Right? You pay taxes once a year to the feds and the state governments, which are also illegal, but anyway. Uh, And then you can continue your business for the rest of the year. In the identity slavery system, you'll be paying taxes in real-time, ultimately, once the system is in steady state. Right? So... We're just going from one slavery system to the next. And so to counter to what you 
said is, I don't believe most people will know that they've arrived in a digital prison when they do. And for those who do know, it will be too late. And for those who know now and are not fighting, you are partly responsible for going into that prison. So, so wanted, the key here is, yeah, go ahead. That's uh, oh, okay. I'll, I'll let you finish with your key. I wanted to, to shift a little bit. Okay. So the, one of the things, uh, if we go back to the digital transformation, I just want to bring that up, you know, because it's important to understand where the fight and the resistance can be. And what we need to do locally is, I talked about the five pillars of the digital transformation from IoT, cloud, AI, blockchain, and cybersecurity. We have no control of the last four, but we can physically see, touch, and undo the hardware infrastructure that is connected as the IoT. So that's the cameras, the LED lights, the microwave towers, so locally, if you want to live free outside a digital prison, what can we do? It's to undo all the hardware infrastructure of the smart cities. And that's where the fight needs to be. Everything else is in the digital world is impossible to crack because it's software owned by private corporations. Now, there are other angles that we can fight against the insidious, creeping, sustainable development goals, plans that are being implemented locally through organizations like ICWI and other NGOs. And that is by understanding all the contracts uh, that have been put in place on the guise of public-private partnerships, uh, which is uh, one of the ways that the uh, you know, corporate law takes over our local governments that we think represent us. And so it's really important locally to start educating yourselves on how local governments are being usurped by private public corporations and really getting converted into private corporations. And once, once you are inside the private corporation, essentially it becomes part of the universal commercial code or you know corporate law. And you can't win there. So I wanted to talk about central bank digital currency and and get your just your perspective on it because that's something that I've I've been really pondering how would they actually implement that I understand my understanding okay so I I know that you know the US dollar is a fiat currency it's they can print a trillion dollars tomorrow if they want to they can print a trillion trillion dollars if they want to okay it's not tied to anything and I also look at a central bank digital currency as really kind of being a digital fiat currency. They can generate, you know, a hundred trillion tokens if they want to, and they can give them out to everybody and say, you, you know, 10 tokens will buy you a loaf of bread, right? So that it, it gives them the com- complete control of this programmable currency that these, with these tokens they can distribute. But you know, right now, especially here in America, you know, we're, we're used to having our assets, our bank account, our 401k, et cetera. So, for this, I know that for this technocracy to really be working and to really be put into place, and I, I've been studying recently a lot the uh, the BIS, um, the uh, I think it's the, the what is it called the ledger something ledger. Um, anyway, their their ledger system, right? I forget the first word, 
where it's really it's built off the back of central bank digital currency, and, and they talk about that in their papers for it. So, how do you, what how do you think that they're going to force people away from really having sovereign independent money? You know, like a a silver coin, for instance, that I can use to trade for you know two gallons of milk, hypothetically. How would they force people into this central bank digital currency? I don't think they're going to force anyone. I think it's going to be done incrementally. Although I should, I won't, shouldn't say I, it, they won't force anyone. They did so in India with a system called Aadhaar. Are you familiar with the Aadhaar system? No, I know some of the African countries what they did, but I wasn't familiar with what they did in India. Yeah, they what they did was they had a big uh, monetary shock system uh, a few years ago in India, where they basically disallowed certain currency notes in the system. And then people couldn't buy on a regular basis. There was bank runs and they didn't have enough notes of other currencies and stuff. So they they used that to give a free application for you know money transfer between cell phones to be able to buy at the local market. And then from there, slowly and surely, they started you making that a requirement to open a bank account to pay your taxes and stuff. So they, in a sense, forced people there. Like, I can't have a bank account in India because uh, I refuse to take, a, you know, the, the their version of a digital identity. So a lot of stuff like that. But locally, they're going to do it through different methods. They're going to use multiple means of introducing this transfer and transition from the current currency system to the digital currency or CBDC system. Have you, you must be familiar that there's been talk of UBI going on for a long time, universal basic income. So in uh, early last year in March, at the beginning of the Ukraine stuff war, they gave all the Ukrainians got an app and they got a UBI equivalent so that they could make uh, donations to the Ukrainian military people who are fighting for them. So they'll give you free money. So they started giving UBI in parts of California, for instance, if you declare yourself a trans in San Francisco or Palm Beach, California, you will get some universal basic income of $800 or something. Now, over time, as the quarters go by, they'll just say, now we're going to give it to you in tokens. And those tokens will be digital. And then eventually the tokens will be linked to you being a good social doobie. It may be linked to your water usage. It may be linked to your carbon usage. It may be linked to your social behavior, you know, or any other thing, right? They introduced this movie recently, which has become a big blockbuster film. What is that all about? They've been amplifying the child traffic, uh, child trafficking uh, movie. What was it called? Uh, uh, Sound of Freedom. Sound of Freedom, right? And that's become very popular. And it's just a red, another Trojan horse. It has nothing to do with child trafficking. It has all everything to do with peer porn with parents who will then accept a digital ID for their kids so that the kids can be tracked. And then for adults, because they'll say, hey, that person is a pedophile. We need to track all adults. So that movie has nothing to do with freedom or child trafficking. It is a, it's a Trojan horse to get a digital identity. Now, what are they doing with, I just saw an ad a couple of days ago by T-Mobile where they show this little girl when she's in the future, when she's say 20 years old, 
And AI has made a 20-year-old uh, model of her face and her body based on predictions, based on all the social media data that the parents were posting, right? And so T-Mobile says AI is going to now create a lot of problems from, for all your children. So guess what? Digital ID for your safety and security. And once you get a digital ID, it'll be linked to tokens and a CBDC. So this is how they'll bring it in. Tomorrow they're going to have uh, another. They had Cyber Polygon a couple of years ago, right? It's about crashing the internet. And they're going to have a lot of false flag operations where data is being hacked through your bank or through your hospitals and your medical data is being hacked. These are all false flag operations to create a fear pawn and justification so that the corporations that you go through for your internet access, for your banking, for your medical centers, they will start pushing the digital ID. It's not central banks. I think central CBDC is really, again, a red herring to give people the illusion that you have legitimate banking, whether it's in the Federal Reserve current system or in the future system. These are all private corporations, BIS, United Nations, Federal Reserve Bank, the Bank of England, they're all private corporations. They're not legitimate representative bodies of government. So people need to reverse engineer their understanding of money and government before they can understand how to resist it effectively. And that's one of the big questions that I have. So my wife and I, we're, we're quite aware of these things. We're following a lot of what you're doing and, and just you know, we've got Klaus Schwab's book and you know, it, we, we were really trying to fight back in the ways that we can, uh, you know, for one thing is we don't buy smart objects, whether it's a smart fridge or, uh, you know, they, they wanted us to get a, a nest installed for our, our air control mm -hmm. and said, no, I want a, a dumb one. Uh, I've got a smartphone, unfortunately, but you know, we're trying you know, in the ways that we can within our household to not allow those things into our household. So for, the everyday people just going about their life, obviously getting involved at a local level, you know, trying to push back about the installation of these things in our, our communities. But in terms of our just everyday life, what are the ways that we can resist? I mean, what are some of the things that you're doing to resist, especially this encroachment of the IoT, which it seems to be like the, the battle that we can fight is in this realm, which is the fight against the IoT, Right. Yeah, so at, at a personal level, minimize your use of smart devices and, you know, these wireless, it's like avoid using Wi-Fi in your house because it'll make you sick long term, right? Minimize your use of smartphone. I usually just carry a Faraday bag most of the time when I'm, unless I really need to use my phone, you know? A Faraday bag is something that basically cuts off all the wireless communication between your phone and uh, whether it's a Wi-Fi router or a cell signal. So at a personal level, we can do a few things, but I think the what I'm doing is trying to focus on raising awareness and building a uh, you know, freedom-loving movement here uh, in order to raise awareness about the smart city and hardware infrastructure and get in the faces of you know, all the so-called authorities who are allowing this to happen. Uh, I've gone as far as giving presentations to you know, all the... Uh, or most of the state senators in Montana have spoken to city council and county commissioners in two counties here. 
Uh, unfortunately, they are not really on our side. I think they've signed away the rights of uh, Montanans and pro probably everywhere in every state, it's the same thing. So what do we need to do to get rid of the hardware infrastructure is obviously raise awareness, but we, we need numbers. Like 10 people being aware and doing something is not good enough. You need a thousand, right? We need 2000, we need 5,000. It, we should be in the faces of all these people so that we can do undo this infrastructure. I believe it can be undone. The probability seems minuscule given how Americans are not rising up, unfortunately. Uh, there are still folk, most of the people, many of the people that I know locally, they are still focused on Trump versus Biden and all that stuff. And they don't understand that it's not going to make one iota of a difference. It's, it's all theater for keeping them looking the other way. So it's really important, I think, uh, that Americans wake up and understand that they don't have representative government. And China and Russia are not the enemy. The enemy is the United Nations and the other you know, so-called globalist agencies, which are all private corporations who are run behind by international bankers. Well, folks, thank you so much for tuning in to this interview. Thank you for uh, being along with me on this journey with America Out Loud. They've got a very bright future. I see just nothing but unlimited growth and potential for the team here. And uh, take care. God bless. Make sure you're continuing to check in AmericaOutloud.com. And if you want to keep following what I'm doing, if you want to just stay in touch, uh, you know, go to your favorite podcast app. Just search for Man in America. You will find me on there. Or if you want to see the video version of all these shows, uh, Rumble is the best place. And go to Man in America on Rumble. And just as a central repository for all this information, ManinAmerica.com. All right, folks, take care and God bless. Okay, welcome to the second hour of Radio 5G. You hopefully were on and listened to the, uh, just under an hour, uh, Seth Holhouse, Man in America, interview with Aman Jabi, and the title of the uh, video was Welcome to the American Digital Prison. Now, this was from July 17th, 2023, but it to me... Mark, was an amazing presentation of a lot of variable subjects that we've talked in depth about on a number of different programs that he kind of like brought together in an easily followed, uh, let's say, revelation of how we already are in that digital prison. Um, so I'm going to turn it over to you and... Did I say that we were going to be, uh, this is going to be uh, played on, uh, what is it, 13th, September 13th, uh, Wednesday. And, of course, I'm Nancy Hopkins, and we've got Mark Joseph with me. So, Mark, what what, it, what is it that you'd like to start the show off with? Yeah, so <clears throat> this was from Man in America podcast, uh, because we're doing the real broadcast, so it gets more, more exposure. Because when I initially found it, I'm a pretty regular listener and I do recommend people check out his um, um, lineup of guests. I mean, it's the top of the top people in terms of where are we going? 
the next month into the next year um forecasting like his one of his big guests is martin armstrong highly recommend that i mean obviously you're not going to agree with 100 percent of what anyone says <clears throat> but you know he had he his prediction record or like forecasting is pretty uh rock solid um and i balance that with other people like jim woolley and tom luongo but um and you know because we hadn't seen iman jabi in a while it was with um one uh, obscure podcast on Rumble I saw because I wanted more information from him after the Maria Z uh, talk. And that's what skyrocketed him. And his story is interesting because you, you go into, um, you know, the most popular city in the country, if not the world, San Francisco, right? Um, <clears throat> and which is now like you go to Zero Hedge and th there was a recent headline of uh, like voted the worst city in the, <laughs> in the country. I, I got to find that headline. I mean, you just hear the report. I mean, I, I work 10, I have 10 accounts there that I visit physically, uh, um, um, places I go to for work, like at least a few times a month and the surrounding area, other accounts. So, I mean, you know, with, with the advanced energy devices that, you know, Nancy, Derek and Walt and beyond that, have uh, developed over the almost 10 years now, right? Um, I've been, it's been smooth sailing. The only time that uh, it went bad <clears throat> was when I did not have the Shungite Rose Heart Resonator on my, uh, what do you call it, dashboard. It fell off because, you know, just driving around so much in different accounts in the valley. That was the only time it was off. And then just, just, what less than 20 minutes into the city there's a crazy guy driving around no license plate and i talked about this in the shungai show too so i've been perfectly fine you know <clears throat> despite all the drugs and uh, you know we're into a few people walking around in the street but it, it's been smooth so and and amanjabi used to live in sf and then of course moved to montana and then as per what you just heard even the people on in montana are not that proactive in terms of all of this happening all public information, you know, on Rumble, YouTube, Deborah Tavares, been talking about this. Her channels in Rumble and in Odyssey, and so if, and and so he had success in what Northern Idaho, so he has to go to the, not just to the side of, the quote unquote red states, but you got to go deeper than that. I mean, Florida is no, no, no exception, right? Like. All of the bioweapons were focused in the southern states. We all knew that. And not only that, they got weather weapons. And we already know Catherine Fitz calls it the great poisoning. It's like you're in the middle of all the, the spokes on a wheel, right? Now, we're not fear-mongering here. You know, like this this popular term of doom scrolling, looking for, for bad news to share. But, you know, in transitioning from old earth to new earth, like we have to have a solid footing and foundation with, whatever quantum energy devices that produce consistent results that you have, you know, and not just over-reliance on a stupid um, EMF meter. You got to go past that. And Russians have been how many decades ahead of that? The GDV, gas discharge visualization measure, measurements. The Marigina Martino's book talks about all of these Kirlian photography, Kirlian video, on and on, biogeometry, dowsing. Like, there's no excuse for just or your over-reliance on a meter. I mean, Nancy, can you go off a little bit on that? 
Well, this is kind of off topic, but um, the problem is, is that with shungite and energy devices, and, and because they're not just shungite, they also use organ and electromagnetic energies. There's a lot to them, but when we start to discuss the meters, the meters are registering an energy field. Period. It doesn't me- measure the complexity of it or the safety of it or the rotation of it. And the key to the toxicity of the EMF signal is that it's running contrary to what is biological life. The rotation of the field is the opposite of the rotation of your own cells in your body. So it's a more powerful field than your individual cell. And when your cell encounters it, it stops spinning in a biological life pattern and therefore gets heated up, therefore get diseased. If you have shungite and other energy devices, but they, they're not, they don't work really perfectly unless they have the shungite. Um, when you're in those kind of a field, what's happening is that with the shungite in particular in the C60 molecule, the rotation of the energy field is so intense that any kind of an electromagnetic field that comes into it does reverses itself because the shungite field is more powerful. So it's not a matter of lessening the field. If you did, your cell phones wouldn't work if you put a shungite sticker on it. All it's doing is making the rotation of the field biocompatible. But that's what they miss when anybody's talking about this. So it's not a matter of blocking or absorbing. It's a matter of attenuating, changing the spin to something that is biocompatible. Does that answer the question why those EMF meters are worthless to yeah. analyze? It's, it's an important thing because he's... Amon's talking about the smart cities, the digital twin. This is all inorganic, artificial tech radiation. Um, you know, I don't want to say anti-nature, but it, 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 it's, uh, yeah, the, the artificiality of it. And, oh, okay. Yeah, hmm? okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. No, but to, to what you were saying, like your, your last week's Radio 5G, you played Mark Steele. Now, Mark Steele is... is top of the line, you know, sophisticated. He breaks down 5G almost more than anybody else. Uh, he doesn't even acknowledge the Shungite quantum uh, effectivity, right? Like he's aware of the quantum stuff in the spiritual war we're in. But again, I talked about it last week in the Shungite show, certain people cannot cross that bridge. There's a stratification level there. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, you're absolutely correct. I don't know why they can't, but that their role, like, I mean, good Lord, he sounds crazy as can be now. If he started talking about Shungite, they really wouldn't listen to him. You know, that's that could be just as simple as that. Um, but when they finally get it, they start to get it. It's like uh, Cliff High has now found Shungite. Has he got the understanding of it down? No, absolutely not. But at least he's into Shungite. And even if you don't understand how it's working, there are ways of measuring it. And one of the things that he pointed out was that he had um, 
given shungite pendants that I, I looked at what they were selling, and it does look like they've just taken uh, the re regular shungite or what I call in my book and stuff the raw shungite right out of the ground, the you know original stuff untouched. And they have taken that, and I happen to know that this is real shungite just looking at it because of the energy. But more importantly, when I first started out, I didn't know I didn't know what shungite was, so I started buying it from all sorts of different vendors until I could understand the distribution and what was happening. But I had this one German distributor who had some shungite, and I bought it. And when I got the the package, it was full of just the most perfect sized pieces of shungite to make a pendant but also a quality of shungite that was very impressive it was to the eye it was black more so than some of the gray hold on a second yeah when you're talking about raw it's not like vanilla or plain or just you know because people focus on this elite thing and it's more special because of the term I don't, term elite and it's shiny. I was like, no, like you, you put both of those in Korean photography. It's the raw powder that has more power, let alone Tesla's three, six, nine universal combination code of application. And so we, I recently answered a question on the Shungai reality Facebook group, which I put the exact show link and timestamp of the cliff high, um, detailing, uh, the Shungai and what he found, what he tested, and he's going to do more testing. So it's exciting times. You know, people are focusing on them of where New Earth is going to go. Um, wait, I, oh yeah. So somebody was asking a, a newbie, I think, um, recently, like yesterday. Uh, <clears throat> does Shungai work against or, or work, yeah, against uh, 5G? Um, because in reading your book, uh, you said you couldn't find anything. So we, in the, the announcements. We have uh, um, somebody named Kat who we interviewed twice in the Shungai show archives in CosmicReality.com. Um, and, and she detailed exactly how using biogeometry in the newly uh, placed 5G residential tower that gave her partner crazy bad headaches, attenuated the signal which with Shungai, raw, the raw nuggets, nine of them, and then there's more to it, but it's a good story. I mean, the show you could download, listen for free. So, you know, support mysticalwares.com, Derek's store. Uh, buy a few things there. Like recently I bought the Shungite Silver soap, you know, 15 bucks. Uh, Shungite Silver is, is beyond the raw and beyond elite. And then I also got a uh, Cosmic Silver Rock. Because for some reason I keep losing them. I don't know. Maybe I need to get like a pink little pouch. Uh, I carry around all the time going around all these Bay Area stores. But... Uh, yeah, back to you, Nancy, what you were, you were talking about. Uh, wow, you went so far. I, was, I, I took the ride with you. <laughs> um, the basic thing about the ones that he had, that they were this black, it's a, it's a, a I got the, this Germans, okay, the Germans sent me this, and it was, so I've seen this part of the Shungite field. Now, the Shungite field is where the meteorite hit, and I've heard just recently I heard somebody give a very, very smaller version of the area. I think that they were talking about what is com controlled by the mine, not the area itself. But uh, they estimate that it'll take 200 years at the current rate of usage 
for shungite to no longer be available. Uh, so there's a lot of it, don't worry about it. But on the other side of it, you know, they also think that it could be worth its weight in gold. So get as much shungite as you can. It's not going to go bad. You don't have to feed it. You don't have to protect it. And it's going to protect you. So just a, an aside there. Oh, but I, oh, sorry about that. We've got this war with Russia happening, and so you can't get shungite out of there. Um, but you can go to the mystical wares because... Derek had the same impulse that I had, that I didn't want to build a business around something that I couldn't know I had a supply of. And being from Russia, it was iffy to begin with. And the only one place in the world, very iffy. So he has enough uh, Shungite on hand without any further shipments so he can supply people for 10 years. So, uh, And he has real stuff. They are putting phony stuff out there. It's going under the name of Rainbow... Shungite or Colombian Shungite, as I've, I think I've heard those terms. But um, go to a reputable dealer and make sure that dealer is still reputable. Because, like I say, it, it's Shungite's hard to get out of Russia just because you're an American. If you if you want to try to get it, try to get. Well, you can't even go to the European countries because I think that that's they're in the same state. So anyway, be careful. But if you listen to us on uh, Shungite Reality, we give a lot of tips about how you can use Shungite even though you don't have any. But this is uh, another show and what we're talking about here um, that, that I understand what, why you went down that ro ro road, I think. He was talking about he being um, <clears throat> Amon, that he, he was talking about the the... 5G antennas and the blue lights and the, the you know the street lights and everything, but he was talking about it in the concept of it being what the first things that they have to build out before they can institute this digital pr prison, and that was the first stage. You remember he was talking about pillars, so he, the only stage that he feels we have uh, the ability to. to stop is that first stage because after that it's all digital and who's got the digits and where are they located and it's in a cloud and it's all very <clears throat> uh let's say uh uh imaginary at that point you know you're in a video universe uh a digital universe where you don't know where all this stuff is so from his standpoint in a very 3d look at it um he's looking at the hardware and i agree with him because, and he says that you, you're not going to be able to, people think, oh, well, we'll just shoot them out. There's a situation in London right now where a group of uh, people are taking out the cameras. And the reason being is that these cameras are looking for a tag that's on a, a cars. And the cars are being given different uh Credit uh, uh, a different rate as to whether or not you are a brand new car with a lot of emission control or you're an old car with no emission control. And if you don't have emission controls and you don't have this sticker on your car, then you're going to be pulled over and fined quite a bit of money every day you're in the city because London is in the, well, it's a, they're trying to be a smart city, but they're closing it down even before that. And there's a group of people that are actually taking out the cameras. 
And what he was pointing to is that when you start to deal with the 5G situation and the lights and everything, that he was indicating there's some self-protection. I wouldn't worry about that so much. But these things are very, very dangerous devices. Uh, was it Mark? Yeah, I think it was Mark that was talking in terms of the amount of 5G equipment that's in New York City. If you overcharged the system, you would have an explosion that would be greater than an atomic bomb. The entire city would just go up, boom, gone. Um, that because and he's remember he's the world's weapon expert on this stuff. Okay. Now, what he's saying is that all of these essentially capacitors, these devices that are able to hold a bunch of energy and then release the energy at certain rates and certain powers to certain devices. So, but they're, they're, they're capacitors, they're holding energies. And if you overcharge them, they explode in, in a tremendous amount of violent energy. Well, in order for that to happen, it has to have the electricity. The way that, and he didn't, he didn't get into this, but I mean, I know a certain amount about the systems. They're all, they all have to run on electricity. So even though you don't want to take a weapon and fire into one of these light systems, any of these systems, because of the potentiality of an explosion, but all you need to do is sabotage the electric system. And people think, oh, well, you would sabotage everybody. It would be, you know, well, no, if you know what you're doing, you pull the plug. That's all. You pull the plug to these systems and then, then, then done, you know. And uh, the crews that want to come and fix them, you have snipers up there. You shoot them as they come in. I mean, you go to war, okay. It's not something that can't be done, even if it's there. You, it's just pull the plug. So... I this fight that, that we talk about that the dark side has orchestrated is built on certain weaknesses that as a military trained person, intelligence officer, I can tell you I'm looking for the weaknesses in their attack on me. And that weakness is the fact that the electric system cannot possibly hold all this at the same time. So Mark points out something that Amman did not. He said that the only way to essentially make yourself more safe is to leave the cities. The cities are already traps. They're already weaponized. And because they're cities and, and in a compressed area, um, it, it's conceivable that they could hold on to a power system. Not likely, but they could. Um, but that's where the first killings are going to happen because that's what they're doing. They're building these traps, these smart cities. And building them out, even though they're not calling them smart cities and they're not telling you what's happening, they're still building them out that way. New York being, you know, a prime example. So when, when you're in that kind of, a, a, of a, an environment, you really don't have a chance if they do a kill switch and try to kill everybody because they could. You know, we don't believe they're going to do that, but they could. Um, but they, they're they not building out into the rural areas. It's very expensive 
it's diff it's difficult to get some of this stuff. So they're they're having supply issues. They're having you know problems, even though they're building out quite fast. They're not going to be able to build out into the rural areas. So if you want to get you know really into the to the ditches with this, leave the cities. Get away from them. They're traps. And, you know, again, it's something that is not undoable. You know, South Dakota is begging people to come there. And I doubt that they even have anywhere near a build out there. That seems to be a very, uh, let's say, patriotic and aware state. But there are, maybe we're going to have a civil war. I mean, Tucker Carlson interviewed Donald Trump and asked him that, and Donald said, no, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so um, there's always this iffy stuff, but <clears throat> don't lose sight of, <clears throat> excuse me, don't lose sight of the fact that for everything that they can do, it can be undone. Um, let's say they get the let's say oh, let's say there's okay you could keep up a partial of this entire system you don't want those damn you know weapon weaponized systems but take all that down you still got you know this this system up there even if you go back to the four 4g 3g 2g even if you went backwards um all of those systems are dangerous to us and to life on the planet because of that what i told you before the bioelectromagnetic field rotation but the other aspect of it is that, as Mark alluded to, there's so much more information we have regarding energy devices, energy understanding, that we can simply take the system that's there, change the rotation on it, use it as a way of delivering good, pure energy to create incredible growth patterns. Uh, Dr. Gerber, who wrote Vibrational Medicine, talked about a research project where they took uh, two, I think actually you're, you're using three fields, but they had two regular fields on two sides. Uh, in the middle, they put up another field, so you got the three, and in the middle, they simply took electromagnetic, uh, made an electromagnetic, they took wire and put it over. They, they just sort of made a, a, a grid over this, this plot of land and just were running EM, EM through it, electromagnetic energy at a very low voltage, voltage. And they had an incredible growth response from nature. Now, and that's the key, <clears throat> is that in the same sense that Disharmonious types of energy can be detrimental to life. You can push in good energy that is beneficial to life. So even though those systems are there, uh, again, they can easily be manipulated to reverse everything that has been, been happening. There are so many ways of doing it. So many ways of, in, in, you, it's just, it's all there in front of us. All we have to do is say, okay, I'm going to take a chance that there is a way out. I'm going to have hope. I'm going to have joy. I'm going to fill myself with laughter. 
I'm going to realize that these people are absolutely insane idiots that for some reason want to control everything. They really need a lobotomy or something. And um, I'm just going to put them into the category of background people, get out of my way. And I'm going to put all my energies into making it right, Haponopono. And I believe that all of this is easily done. But I do think that you people that listen to us, not only are you educated, self-educated, because you go and you learn um, about the difficult things that we talk about, but you also are understanding the metaphysical and the anerology concepts that we bring forth. You understand shungite and other minerals. You understand the beauty of nature and the, the, the amazing consciousness of, of animals. And um, so you're already there. Well, <clears throat> why these people that go out here and talk about this, and, and we're including that, why is this important? Because there's an awful lot of people out there that they, they don't have any imagination. Imagination comes by introducing certain aspects of reality into your life, such as metaphysics, woo, psychics, you know, looking at that, thinking about it, it opens you up to more information and more understanding. A lot of these people, they've just never had that experience. They've never had the opportunity. There's not been somebody around them. They were in in an area that doesn't even talk about it. So if we can present them with stark raw news here that they want to put you in a digital prison and they can explain it to you now in a way like we just heard uh, on the first hour of the show then the next thing we can lead them to is into the spiritual battle and the concept of metaphysics and metaphysics and quantum physics are you can't talk about one without the other so we're in a very good place and I just wish more. Well, you know, I, that, that's <clears throat> I know more people are realizing it because you hear. And this happened pretty rapidly. It was only about two years into that covid fiasco that you started seeing people like a vice president of Pfizer come out and say, I never thought I'd say this, but they're trying to kill everybody. And this is a spiritual war. You find lawyers who are going like, I never would imagine myself talking about a spiritual war, but I am. Doctors who are like, oh, my God, (laughs) you know, this is beyond real. This is some kind of a spiritual war we're in. When you see so many people that were locked solid in step with 3D reality, maybe some had a little bit of little religion, you know, but it's that side of life is is taking over and those are in the people that are talking to us so i think that in in the vast majority of people there is a spiritual what what do they call reset it's it's resetting their their beingness their energy fields to something that is compatible with the ultimate life force the creator God, whatever that is, whatever form it takes. I'm not saying that I can define that. Yeah, so the last couple of weeks of your shows you've been doing, and I've wanted to emphasize, like last week's show of contracts and consciousness and having those kinds of technologies to 
uh, thwart <clears throat> the things that are um, coming our way, right? And what was it? Uh, I don't know if it was a Star Wars saying, but the obstacle is the goal. Um, as far as how what your journey and path is, and so these are things to strengthen spirit, right? And that idea of alignment over effort. So you want to align with uh, source, nature, and those hidden laws that, um, what do you call it, uh, the industrial complex of military, media, medical have been have been uh, using against uh, the populace in the world for decades, if not um, in the various different civilizations and resets, right? So it, it's an endogenous rather than exogenous thing, primarily. And along the way, we there are um, tools that bridge those things, uh, ancient technologies. I mean, you get Regina Martino's Shungite book. They've been using Shungite since the 1500s. They have uh, Shungite shamans in that area of the world, and you know even the the soldiers there have been using those things for basically with the soldiers. But it's that even at that time, Peter the Great, the taking having a one up in their in their uh, warfare, but the spiritual warfare by expanding their biofield. And I know this is Radio Five G, but um, we know through SSP countless operations and projects, right? Uh, not just MK Ultra, but of those things that you hear in the conspiracy corner. Um, how many years and decades are they ahead of this? So, you know, you, you have people who are public and get targeted, uh, big names in the, you know, against the nanobiotech thing, Tony Pantaloresco. The people he recommends, like Firemedic 8, uh, BitChute. Um, Sabrina Wallace is my recent one I found, which is um, an Odyssey P-S-I-N-E-R-G-Y synergy. And they have a Telegram group, and they highly recommend you know, different biofield defensive, offensive practices, Shungite, uh, plasma energy. So use what works for you individually. I mean, these are just ideas and recommendations. And see how your body intelligence responds uh, and and because I've been in the biohacking, mitochondria hacking uh, um, interest since 2019, which is also when they found Shungite and had this obsessive gravity into it. And this was all before, you know, this whole uh, propagandemic thing. And then it all connects as far as the C-19, the worldwide... Um, lockdown in connection to the injections to the emf connection to it and what the supposed something's going to kick off um various things inside the injection in october if not sooner so again it's about the armor layering the armor of god of your biological electrical field you know the body electric by robert obecker um Sabrina Wallace, again, highly recommend people check out her Odyssey channel and Telegram channel. Uh, of it, it goes beyond like the nanotech stuff and then stuff they have injected. Um, just every, everything that we do, food, air, and water, there's already stuff in it, and it builds from the inside out. And then 
the satellite beaming down the frequencies. And this isn't fear porn. There's documentation all over the place. I put it in the Shanghai group. But this is just um, to help uh, build your foundation of that, of those consciousness tools. And Shanghai for me is one of the primary ones. Um, I mean, if I've been working in SF for that often and that long, and I'm okay, like, um, you know, this is the thing I'm, I'm constantly bringing up in the other show, that um, you, you uh, what do you call it? Deep and foundationalize your your uh, space and field. Now, going back to some of the highlights from uh, Amon's interview, so the country and the rural isn't exactly safe. Now they're doing. He gave the example of India, of incrementalism, right? Sl boiling the frog slowly, and it, there's a complexity and 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 deception to the the slow rollout of these things right um and that he said no one is left out of digital prison like um it, even in the smart cities the led lights can become lasers and areas for drone recharging um the incrementalism is also in ukraine you know blackrock owns a big uh, owns a big chunk of ukraine and then they're doing the digital I think some of the um, ID stuff. And he got the UBI tokens, and he was talking about California having that uh, for, um, I think, the trans thing. And, and and eventually it'll become tokens. And then, you know, you got the social credit score, which is easily, you know, the, the bridge, making a bridge with it. So, I mean, we can only obviously do what we can for our end individually and for our family and friends and however you can connect locally like i know recently the big thing is masks returning and we know that even in california uh, Lionsgate studios in santa monica after several days when they tried to reinstate that for their staff it was rescinded because of the backlash same thing in the santa rosa corporate hospital kaiser permanente same thing happened so we know maryland there's a school they were reinstating it um, and then one of the bigger um, headlines and highlights was, uh, well, I can't find it, but there were 10, 10 New York teachers who were fired because they refused the injection. Here we go. Um, Zero Hedge, uh, September 9th, 2023, fired New York teachers who refused vaccine to be reinstated with back pay, says the judge. A New York state judge on Wednesday ruled that 10 employees fired by the New York City Department of Education for refusing the COVID-19 vaccine must be reinstated with back pay. Um, so this was based on the Children's Health Defense, I just lost the headline, uh, uh, who sponsored a lawsuit against the department, uh, was it failing, following failed attempts to claim religious exemption for the mandate. So that's a Zero Hedge article, you can check out for more details, but if that's in New York City, like how much more success, like Nancy, you, I think you mentioned like 10 counties in your state um was talking about like labeling the injections as bioweapons if like you can't do these mandates on masks and shots right that, that's a recent thing too mm, if it is i'm not familiar with that not in the state of florida okay i'll take a look at it it should be easy to find yeah i mean it, it, it's it, it really does well one of the things that he points out 
is the problem you have when you're trying to deal with the existing government and the existing establishment is this marrying between the governments and corporate private private corporations and when you got that kind of a relationship you no longer have free government at all because these people are part of the corporations but the united states government itself is a corporation um and 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 on that subject of that when they get real concerned about the um the treaties and the what, what the heck would they call in that thing okay oh supremacy clause in the u.s constitution okay when when you've got the u.s constitution and it's got that supremacy clause in it you can say well damn it was a stupid thing to put in there but it is the law of the land that a treaty with the UN can supersede anything we want to do, i.e. creating these uh, sustainable uh, cities and the smart things and the whole agenda at 30 or whatever number they're at now. But the fact of the matter is, is that the United States is a corporation. The Republic of the United States died in 1871. So... And that's a long story, but it is a fact. It's a, it's an irrefutable fact that we are a corporation. So even though the, the treaties were signed by the United States, it was the United States Corporation. So all of this bullshit legalization and legal talk that they're talking about, again, I highly recommend you be on your toes to look at that because it, they're talking about the corporation, not the republic. The republic did not sign those treaties. So again, there are so many layers of reality here. And if you peel back the onion skin that they've tried to create in front of all this information, you realize that if we just go back and stay true to the concepts that were put forth in the Constitution and put forth by the very history that they're trying to erase of American heroes continually reaching for freedom. And the problem with the dark side and a lot of the people that are their minions is that they don't understand freedom. They aren't comfortable in freedom. Freedom is the ability to be your own unique person, to to live the life that you want to live to think the things you want to think, to make the music you want to sing. That, that's what freedom is. And he, he points out that Americans think they're free. And so you, you talk about, uh, okay, that you, you're a free individual. Well, well the, and I, there is, there's two terms for it, and I'm not pulling them up right now. But the, a true free environment is you don't have to get a license to drive why would you have to get the license to drive well you get the license to drive so that you become now it's 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 a um, provisional license it's a provisional right and you as an american citizen who did nothing to stop this are agreeing that you do no longer have the right the absolute right to drive a car 
you have a provisional right because you've agreed to pay the money to the state. Okay, so when you go and you get a license for this or a license for that, or you have to pay your taxes, uh, all of that is not freedom. That's provisional freedoms that they're allowing you to have because they've made up this phony requirements that everybody didn't realize they were important. Somebody once said freedom is not free. It's a very difficult thing to keep. But we've lost not only a lot of freedoms, the American citizen has lost their understanding of what free is. Free is being able to go out and say, I voted for Donald Trump. And I'm going to vote for him again and have everybody around you go, well, I don't know that I would do that, but it's your freedom of choice. It's it's a whole different attitude thing. And because we don't have it, we don't have the foundations from which everything came, the pillars of the republic of freedom, <laughs> you know. We're, we're going we're gonna to be in a prison before we know it. But in my opinion, there's too many people that already know it. I mean, when we started this show, I tell it all the time in 2019. I had to be convinced to do it because I didn't think we had a chance in hell. And in 2019, I thought, well, maybe if if we keep doing like we're doing, maybe in three years we might get some kind of a feedback thing starting to happen. And in three months, all of a sudden, there were all these anti-5G websites and people starting to talk about it. And it was like, I didn't see that coming. So was this just a, you know, a coincidence that there was all this activity that I didn't see? I don't know. I was pretty much on the, my first 5G show was in 2014. I'd been watching for it since 1976. I mean, and I, I had a long relationship with this subject, and I never would have imagined that in three months it would have turned around as fast as it did. But it did. So things got rocky, but then again, what I'm learning is that the depth of the evil and the depravity that is is descended upon us crept up, you know, like a, a fog you don't even see coming in is much deeper, much thicker than I anticipated. And I think a lot of the people that are of my ilk that have been in it a long time, we know that we, we knew there was a lot of evil. We did not comprehend. I don't think most of us could comprehend the depth of it. So those people that are waking up now need us more than ever. You know, I've been in this for this long and I'm still saying we're going to make this. Don't worry. Just got to work. And more people. I agree with him, too. More people have to start. He said, what do we need? We need numbers. We need people talking. And I do believe they're talking. Again, I watch Fox Network. I don't watch the other ones. But the Fox Network does put a lot of clips up from the various mainstream media. See, all those kind of things. Um and I can tell you that on the Fox network itself, they are getting more and more vocal about the real truths. And even in like CNN, uh, Trapper, it, it was regarding the Hunter, Hunter Biden and President Biden connection in the, you know, well, they're treasonous. Um, 
but he admitted that some that the evidence was starting to get overwhelming regarding President Biden's implicate being implicit implicated in the business activities of his son. That was a pretty big admission. And I don't know if they're starting to wake up and just saying this, but more likely there is a a feeling that I have about what could be happening, which is that if, if I'm perceiving a change that makes me say, whoa, I know what it was. I know what it thought. I thought it would get to, and it's much bigger than that. Then they're probably seeing that they're losing. And if you're losing at that moment, your game changes, and you begin to go into a defensive kind of a posture, in that you say, "Oh, thank God! You know, now we can tell the truth." You know, and so it may just be that. A lot of the the things we're seeing is a result. I mean, why did all these business go woke? Because because they were afraid that this woke people out there were going to take them down. How many of them were just that kind of a, a woke? You know, oh my God, they they're going to yell at us and we're going to lose customers. Um. Versus those that were working in unison to take down the world. that That's what is the unknown percentage of good versus evil. But I think a lot of them just went along with it. And because of that, those people are going to be able to move back into a anti-woke position for the same reasons. You know, look at Target. Target is not bounce back from the people saying, I was just talking to a friend of mine, he said, the Catholic Church up there, um, the priest is actually talking out against Target and telling the congregations, even though they took all that paraphernalia that was so bad and put it in the back of the store, do not support these people. And so now you're getting, you know, I'm sure they're kind of renegade priests or others in established political realms. Because another thing that I felt was probably true was that there were a lot more good people than bad people. And I used to say to Michael, Henry Dunn, who started the show with me, I'd say, Michael, all we have to do is give people an excuse to do the right thing. If we explain to them, and that's what Mark said, too, in the last show. He said that, you know, finally, you, when you when you when you first tell these people this, it's like, oh, my God, you must be nuts. And he said, I didn't have the numbers. I didn't have the mortality rates. I didn't have the damage numbers. He said, but now I do. So now when I go in, I say, this stuff is going to kill you, which I used to say. But now I say, this stuff is going to kill you. And here's the statistics to tell you how much killing has already occurred. Now you're in a situation where how are you going to continue to you know, it's that thing, you know, once you've seen it, you're not going to unsee it. So just work to, if you can do nothing else except think about all those people out there that are really good people that just need to be thrown a love blanket or thrown some positive energy, thrown some courageous energy to start taking stands. You know, there's more and more whistleblowers coming out. 
and I can see that 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 that, that is all happening. So I feel. I feel comfortable presenting you the stark reality of what the other side wants to to do because, you know, I wouldn't have said this in 2019. But I'll say it now. We're going to we what we can we can win this. Am I one of these people that says, you know, we've already won? Sometimes I say it, but mostly I know in my heart, we've already won, but we've got to get there with the least casualties we can do it with. And that that takes a lot of people doing the right thing. So are we going to win? Yes, inevitably you're going to win because it's the only thing that there's no option. So you're going to win, but at, at what cost? Again, in a military environment, which, you know, I've got a lot of experience. It's the casualties. You know, yes, I can take this hill and I can take it by a full on assault. But I'm going to lose a lot of people or I can do this and I'm going to lose less. And you're always going to go with the, the operation to lose less. And that's going to take people engaging in their thoughts, in their words and in their deeds. This is a very strange show we're having, Mark. <laughs> Are you there? Yeah, we got to count our victories and blessings and have that deep gratitude for what we do have and then go from there. So, you know, I'm counting victories too, like in, in California. California Globe's a good um, media outlet that that is more open to, you know, uh, things, actual things going on. And so they posted on the 7th, um, Huntington Beach City Council bans mask and vaccine mandates. Um, you know, these kind of things share with people like what I mentioned, those other two stories, like um, it it's builds the momentum. And then a couple quotes here I posted. Uh, when your intentions are pure, you don't lose anyone. They lose you. And Shanghai does a good job of, do, of, of making that happen. And if you don't fight for what you want, don't cry for what you lose. And so um, this thing of we've already won. I mean, yeah, I, I kind of see it, but we still have to take action locally. Uh, friends and family. I mean, the Shanghai things you can give them, the magnets for their fridge, their washer and dryer for their favorite chair, the silver Shanghai is for magnets, you know, to have that um, field that increases their stem cells. I mean, everybody needs that. So little things you can do, you know, uh, uh, as for powder, Shanghai silver powder in people's shoes, like little things that go a long way. So, um, and there's a, there's a good... Um, blog post here, Carl Grossman, Carl with a K, uh, .blogspot.com on the Eisenhower speech, which was initially the military industrial scientific complex. The word scientific was taken away. Imagine if that had been left there. So I made that post in Cosmic Reality Facebook group, but if you go to the guy's um, blog spot, which uh, Mike Adams interviewed like last year or months ago, it, it's a great story of how that word was left out and just the whole scientism thing and technocracy and how that relates. So, um, yeah, that, that that's, that's really interesting. That's fascinating. Who took it out? Do you remember? I mean, I can read the whole thing, but I don't know how much time we have left. Um, I think one of his advisors was recommending to take out the word scientific in the military industrial complex like that phrase. So. So it, it, he didn't read it, but it was in the original speech. Now, how much time do we have left? I can read the, the quote I put up in your uh, group here. Uh, seven minutes, oh, okay. a little over seven minutes. Yeah, 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 I can read. 
Uh, Eisenhower gave what has often been described as the most memorable farewell address by any U.S. president since Washington. He warned in a speech about the quote-unquote military-industrial complex, but in the original draft, as historian Douglas Brinkley has noted in an article on the address in the September 2001 issue of American Heritage magazine, Eisenhower was warned not only of a quote-unquote military-industrial complex, but of a military-industrial-scientific complex. Brinkley writes that because of the plea of Eisenhower's science advisor, James Killian, was the word quote-unquote scientific eliminated. The military-industrial-scientific complex was far more accurate description of the complex of vested interest manipulating the U.S. then and now. Eisenhower in 61 addressed, address declared, in the Council of Government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence by the military-industrial complex, end quote there. And although allowing the removal of scientific, he then went on with other words on this issue. He said, today the solitary inventor tinkering in his shop has been overshadowed by task forces of scientists and laboratories, end quote. And people must be alert that public policy could become the captive of a scientific technological elite. Like, whoa, <laughs> that's what, 61? So, okay, this is this is fascinating because... I've told you, and, and there's a whole story behind it, but basically I was told about this. I, I was shown, visually shown, the what we see now is 5G and the build-out of the electromagnetic and, you know, the scientific technology advancement, all of that. I was, I was shown in 76. Well, President Eisenhower probably knew that information too. You know, I mean, if I knew it, maybe he knew it. Maybe he understood where it was going. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But if if I if I in seventy six it was since seventy three working in the concept of an electronic battlefield, which was brand new. I mean, it was like a new concept of of the battlefield, but it goes back all the way to World War One, where they called it uh, radio intelligence. But still, Eisenhower, in the positions he had within the military and then within the presidency, and for the woo-woo side of it, you know, he is the guy that supposedly went and talked to ETs. And that's a that's a hell of a story. But even his, his granddaughter, Eisenhower, uh, what's her first name? Ooh. Laura. Laura, yeah. Um, Eisenhower, she says that her grandfather... You know, that, that episode on um, oh, Higgum Base, Air Force Base, was it? That he met with ETs. And uh, so they may have, sh have shown him at that time, you know, what was, what was planned. And from, from a purely, uh, let's say, objective human being that might have a little prejudice against Eisenhower... I thought he was a coward when I heard that speech. I, I, at the time he said it, I was too young to understand it. But when I when I realized he had said that at the time, and what he must have known to be able to say it, I thought he was was a coward because he was president of the United States and he said it in his last address. So doofus, you you were the most powerful man on the planet. There, why didn't you do something about it? Now you're telling the next guy. I mean, you know. But knowing the evil tentacles that can, 
you know, take over everything. I I now don't look so badly at him. <laughs> it was just a man. Could have been a lot, lot of reasons for it. But at least he'd made the warning. <laughs> at least he dropped the warning. Um, and I guess Amon has dropped the warning in so many ways. Um, they One thing we didn't really get into was the concept of that social credit score thing. And the uh, transformation of everything to be controlled digitally. The first time I heard about that was Cliff High, and that was well before 2019. He, It was frightening what he said, what was happening in China. It was already in China. So they're, they're alluding to a system in China that is scary as can be. I mean, think about it. You can't buy food unless you get permission to buy food. You can't travel, you know, out of the city unless you get permission. You can't leave your apartment unless you get a permission. So, but again, it goes back to that first thing. They've got to do a lot of build out even now. But they're building out in certain places, and those are the cities. Now, I'm in a city, but I'm lucky. I'm I'm protected by, uh, uh, you know, a few acres of trees. And it's a weird thing. But, I mean, there's just probably no place safer in Miami from EMF than in, in my environment. So, and somebody had to be here to put an eagle. <laughs> they don't call Miami the magic city for nothing. You know, right off the coast was where Atlantis was. The island of Bimini is the tallest mountain of Atlantis. Well, one of it, I mean, there were actually five islands associated with it. And, uh, you know, this this area is magical as can be. And the Mayans even been here. They got here, Mark. So there's Mayan uh, architect uh, buildings, a city. Well, not a city, more like a. Uh, village or town but they've actually proven that the Mayans got here magical place so what else yeah um, what was oh yeah the CBDCs and so I mean the more one of the more pronounced CBDC thing like social credit score was what happened to Dr. Mercola and his staff of not being able to access their chase um and then you got the Proud Boys from years ago, Laura Loomer, these so-called dangerous far right, you know, ex- extremist people like like. Uh, I mean, Laura Loomer is one of the big names right now for exposing the Nazi connection with CIA and, and Ukraine. So that's all over the place. And, and she's close to you in Florida. A good Twitter follow. Um, yeah, all these things connect. It's not it's not. You know, the psyops within psyops and then beyond 5G. 5G warfare, unrestricted, asymmetrical, hyperdimensional. So, and then what? What's great is is the decentralization and open source aspect. Is like once you improve yourself and transform yourself, just being around other people is a huge difference um, of of presence, right? And like you said, the simple tools of of thought extension, of love blankets, Ho'oponopono, um, violet flame, and like Derek's version is a heart shaped C60 out to people. Like, you know, I even had a dream about that, of this this uh, holographic, you know, almost like a biofield of uh, 
VVC60, where you like different window panes that you can access. And that is one of the uh, uh, foundational building blocks of the universe, right? And of course, I, I don't take C60, I just have Shungite on. And um, the closest thing of ingesting C60 I have is the Shungite honey. So, and then like the Shungite water. Um, and, and, and you're calling out the fake ones out there. An easiest way to test is the ice test. You put it in ice, and they do this with uh, Plasma Energy, the Keshi Gans uh, on, on Facebook. They have different images of geometric ice uh, configurations based on the kind of energy that's in there. So you can do that with Shungite easily. And people have posted in the Shungite group of how that is. So, you know, this is an invisible war. Catherine Fitz has used that uh, uh, invisible reality and invisible weapons. How do we combat that? So check out her interviews. Um, on, on Rumble and Solari. So I'm a big uh, um, I'm a member and subscriber of that, of hers and her approach, because it's, again, all these spokes in the wheel, the great poisoning against you, and the si solutions are simple, you know? It's all about that biocompatibilization, so biogeometry does that. Shungite, even mo more easier. So, yeah, there's, there's free resources out there. And it's like you can even use the the energetic, astral, etheric versions of these things. Um, and Walt, on your CosmicReality.com site, gives free frequencies of Shungite and, and, and of, of uh, various other helpful, helpful uh, frequencies. So, a lot of free tools out there. Yeah, we got a lot of, there's a lot of things to do. But the main thing is just keep yourself balanced, keep yourself happy. They don't like happy. The other side doesn't like happy. They don't like joy. They don't like laughter. <laughs> so uh, I hope you had a good day. Um, anything else you'd like to mention, Mark? Yeah, and Dr. Lee Merritt said they don't like being made fun of. So keep putting out those memes and spread that kind of consciousness out there. Of humor is a powerful weapon, too. So use that to its fullest. The best yeah, defense is offense, right? Get creative, make your own memes. You know, let's just bombard them. You know, he's talking about the digital cloud and this uh, super amount of data. What happens if everybody just starts to put in things like memes? It's like a, a computer that's getting overwhelmed by what they think is crap, what we think is power, you know? How how because if you're training if you're training AI and all of a sudden you got all these memes out there, you know what's AI gonna do with it? It's like you give AI a uh, a, a, a a question or a, a situation that has no conclusion. They can not they can't think their way out of it. Sometimes this was early computers. I don't know. They probably figured a way away from that. But I was just thinking about that earlier in the show that, okay, so we got this cloud thing. We'll just fill that cloud thing with, you know, somewhere over the rainbow. <laughs> just keep filling in the good stuff, putting all this good stuff until the AI itself wants to be good. Anyway, we thank you all for being here. We will see you next time. And um, Mark, you want to say good night or goodbye? Yeah, thanks, everybody. Uh, keep strong out there. Keep going. 
And remember, uh, the Shungite show, well, you wouldn't have heard, you, it's, it's going to be on Tuesday. But all of these shows are in the archives. The archives are easy to find. CosmicReality.com slash radio. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to Radio 5G, a production of CosmicReality.com. Thank you for listening.